0: Let me tell you a scary story. It begins in Minneapolis. A hopeful 500 team comes to find an opportunity on Halloween night to face an NFC contender without their starting quarterback. But all is not as it seems as they enter the haunted domain of Sunday Night Football. They come to find checkdowns, punts, and penalties galore. Open downfield receivers, shoulder injuries, and even a late-game defensive collapse. All, indeed, is not well in the haunted hotel of the Minnesota Vikings. (laughs) You are Locked On, Vikings! Your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast... Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day, even uh, when it's sad to, because the Vikings lost. I'm your host, your pal, and the kitty you copied off in my class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Braun NFL. show's on Twitter at Locked On vikings of course today on the show recapping the 2016 loss the vikings uh experienced at the hands of the dallas cowboys sans dak prescott they lost 20 to 16 to something called a cooper rush that most cowboys fans didn't even like i I asked marcus mosher and landon mccool who do locked on cowboys about him and they were like i don't know he's a backup like he hasn't played since 2017 he had thrown three passes in his career um and he kind of cooked the vikings so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the offensive ineptitude and we're going to have the coaching conversation. We, I, I talked about having the fire the coach conversation at the bye, probably, um, but then they kind of rattled off a couple of close wins and didn't feel like that was going to happen. So it didn't come up, but it come, it came up. It's up. It's here. We're going to talk about it. Um, so that's, I think, the central thing here is, was this a fireable offense? Like, that has to be the, the, the main question and to investigate all that let's talk about i guess let's start with the mismanaged coaching moments of the game um so the game was basically tied or within like a field goal for like most of it or i think it was within one score for the entire game i don't think there was ever a two score lead um on either side and that makes these mismanaged moments kind of loom ever large At the end of the first half, there was this timeout fiasco. The Vikings get the ball with 37 seconds and two timeouts, a hilariously specific thing that keeps happening to them, and there is a completion in bounds, and the Vikings hurry up to try to get a playoff. The play is not right. Something's wrong with it. They end up blowing about 20 seconds in confusion. Nobody calls a timeout, and the Vikings actually, uh, they finally get the play off. It is an incomplete pass, and there's one second left on the clock when that play is over. So the clock is stopped with one second. They they kneel it out. They had a timeout during all of this and Zimmer never, never did it. So that's interesting. Uh, that's a, a really big problem that is just this huge brain fart. Again, we see these these clock management issues um, where it's not necessary. I mean, I, I will stand up for for clock management like fiascos that are like well you know maybe they tried to run the clock too much or maybe they you know they made a decision but if you can at least understand where they're coming like okay i understand why they would maybe want to run the clock instead of save clock there and i disagree with it but at least i get it but the the vikings keep having these fiascos where it's not a difference of opinion or a strategy we disagree with it's just mess it's just a disaster and a catastrophe of the two, of a 2-minute drill at the end of the game the Vikings went backwards they got the ball with 51 seconds and no timeouts needing a touchdown they were down 4 points 51 seconds no timeouts um and the Vikings i think they maybe got close to midfield and they actually went backwards a couple times um and i believe the final play of the game fittingly was a checkdown because the offense was deeply inept and let's talk about the offense uh and the way that they played in this game against Dallas Um, it was just a failure. So either uh, the, the clock either ran out or the Vikings punted. So failed drives on eight of their 12 possessions in this game. And then they got a touchdown and three field goals. Those were the 12 possession. Touchdown, three field goals, six punts, and two drives at the end of either half that both ran out the clock in catastrophic ways. And I think the best way to illustrate this is here's a stat for you. The Vikings had 35 dropbacks There are 35 passing attempts in this game. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 35 times. That's not counting sacks and stuff. 35. 11 of those went beyond 5 yards. I'm going to say that again. 11 of 35 went past 5 yards. And 11 of 35 went behind the line of scrimmage. So the Vikings passed behind the line of scrimmage exactly as often as they passed beyond 5 yards. That is obscene to me. And that's a game plan problem. Um, Kirk Cousins, that's a Kirk Cousins problem. Kirk Cousins said all the checkdowns were thanks to um, coverages and, and pressure and stuff. And so we'll have to investigate that. You know, we, we, before we dole out blame, we should probably have a better sense of what happened. We'll deal with that throughout the week. But we can all agree that that's horrible, right? 11 of 35 beyond five yards. A third of the time, less than a third of the time, the pass was beyond five yards. That's not an offense, that's a drill. That's a camp practice where you decide to drill quick game. That's not an offense. And I think we have to like seriously interrogate Clint Kubiak, who has a beautiful opening drive. It was a gorgeous drive. Marched right down the field. They were aided by a defensive pass interference penalty, but they marched right down the field. Easy touchdown. And then completely fall apart. This is the same thing as the Cleveland game. Um, and it just keeps happening. Why can't Clint Kubiak maneuver within a game when the defense, which has a brain and is going to adjust to you, they adjust and then everything falls apart and Clint doesn't have anything anymore. Why does that keep happening? Um, and even if you look at the good drives, the ones where the Vikings scored, three of them were aided uh, intensely by a penalty. There was a pass interference in the first touchdown drive. One of the field goal drives was saved. They were punting on fourth and five. There was an offside that gave them uh, a first down, and they capitalized on that. Um, There was another one that had a big, long defensive pass, or there was a a field goal drive that was aided by a number of 15-yard penalties that were pretty bad calls. The refs were pretty bad, and it favored the Vikings, Um, and they still lost anyways, and the only other field goal drive that wasn't aided by a penalty on the Cowboys started on the 45 after a fumble. Uh, I believe it was the fumble, after a turnover of some sort. Um that's it, it it was amazing how much trouble the Vikings had moving the ball on a defense. It didn't surprise you. They didn't do anything that that surprised you. And here's what I think happened. Here's my my hypothesis going into the week. And I'm going to investigate this. And I'm, you know, this is not my final take here, but what I think happened, there is this uh, quote from the broadcast that Chris Collinsworth said where he talked about how the Vikings were scared of the edge rushers going in. And so they designed their game plan to try to scheme the, the edge rushers out of it, which meant, you know, a lot of the runs would be inside runs a little bit more. Go at the defensive tackles instead of the defensive ends. And a lot of their pass games seemed also... Aimed at taking the edge rushers out of it with quick screens and smokes and kind of, uh, you know, quick game sort of things, you know, three step drop, get the ball out, try to make a play a, a play after the catch. But the thing is, the other team has a brain and all of those concepts are things the Vikings have run before. They didn't unveil a new concept or a new wrinkle, maybe new kind of. Um, you know, do it out of a different formation and sort of cosmetic changes. But generally, the concepts were the same. Throw it to a guy short, maybe with a blocker or two in front of him and see if they can't make something happen. And the Cowboys were prepared for that. And they basically just started playing kind of let it get caught in front of you and rally sort of defense. And the Vikings just did not have anything in their repertoire that was able to overcome that. And I think that's just what's so inexcusable to me. The Cowboys did not do anything fancy. They they didn't do some ge- ingenious thing that stumped it. No, Clint Kubiak was just overmatched, and, and the offense just didn't look like it was red. Like he's just not ready to call plays in the NFL. Kirk Cousins was terrible. I mean, he was just awful. He was checking down out of clean pockets. He was missing wide-open receivers. Um, He was not really working the pocket very well. He was holding the ball too long. Every single Kirk Cousins thing reared its ugly head. This is the worst game I've seen from Kirk Cousins in a long time. This is the stinker he was due for uh, after getting all that like weird MVP talk over the bye week and stuff. Uh, This is is the stinker, and if we know Kirk Cousins, he's kind of streaky. So hopefully he can pull out of this soon, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more games where he's weird about this i thought he felt phantom pressure uh and that's i mean once you start feeling pressure that isn't there and adding that to the pressure that is there you're gonna be cooked you're, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble the run game was okay it had its i'll call it ups and downs um but it just seems like the vikings hamstrung themselves so much playing scared of the edge rushers that they forgot to build an offense and so you didn't get anything 16 points on 12 drives it's utterly catastrophic now, I want to talk about the defense and I don't want to rip into these coaches, so stick around sort of that. But I also want to talk to you about how you watch TV because it can get super confusing with all these logins and devices uh, for live and for on demand. I will take live and on demand and smash them together. That gives you direct TV stream, bringing all of your favorites together. Like never before, it's one login, one thing, all your stuff in one place. You don't have to worry about a million remotes or a million logins or a million devices with different apps and all that stuff ever again. Just go to directtv.com. You can learn more about Direct TV Stream. That is Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV.com. So, should we talk about the defense? In this game, the defense was not nearly as bad as the offense, but they sure weren't good. And here's the thing about it. This is going to be known forever as the Cooper Rush game. So the the Cowboys were really cagey for two weeks about Dak Prescott and if he would play or not. And they did some subterfuge. Every team does this. The Cowboys are getting a lot of credit because it apparently bamboozled the Vikings. But here's what happened. So they were cagey about, we don't know if Dak Prescott's going to play or not. That's standard. They're not just going to tell you, right? So you have to prepare for both. And the Vikings had to prepare for both. But the Vikings didn't really prepare all that hard for Cooper Rush. Zimmer said he had a lot of tape, and before the game, Cowboys reporters, uh, with some info about the situation said that they had watched kind of all the film they could find on Cooper Rush, but he had only thrown three passes in the NFL back in 2017 and then like preseason games. So they kind of just watched preseason tape and they did what they could. But after the game, Xavier Woods, who had a fantastic game by the way, with a pick and a forced fumble uh, on a on a blitz, um he said that they only really prepared for Dak Prescott throughout the week and they only really found out that Cooper Rush was playing. And so they, they he basically said they didn't prepare. So what it sounds like is the coaches prepared for Cooper Rush and they kind of talked about, well, what will the plan be if he plays and stuff like that? But they didn't spend any time installing those things with the players uh, or, you know, kind of going over those changes with the players. He said they watched a few clips about Cooper Rush and that was kind of it with the players. So they didn't spend a lot of time on Cooper Rush with the players. They instead kind of prepared all week for Dak Prescott. Um, which I guess is fair, right? You don't want to underprepare for Dak Prescott, and it, there's only so much time you get with the players, so allocating that time and, and dedicating dedicating it to one thing and not another is a decision you have to make, and they ended up choosing the wrong one, but at least we can understand that. So that's kind of what happened there with Cooper Rush. Now, 20 points does not sound that bad, but the defense was worse than that looks, I think. Um, obviously the turnovers were great. There was the Xavier Woods uh, interception. There was a blitz where Xavier Woods came in unblocked, absolutely hammered Cooper Rush ball comes out. Anthony Barr falls on it. Um, and there also, there was a missed field goal as well. Um, and I thought the defense stopped the run really, really well because they loaded the box. And basically their plan with Cooper Rush, and we kind of talked about one-on-ones over the week and how you know every Mike McCarthy offense wants to find a one-on-one and test it. Well, the Vikings played right into that by loading the box. Essentially, they said, well, you don't have your quarterback, so your passing game is going to be neutered, so we're going to focus on the run. And on the surface, that makes sense, but what that ended up giving the Cowboys was one-on-ones with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on the outside all day against Cam Dantzler and Bashad Breland, both of whom were eternally horrible. Oh my God, they were bad in this game. They both made a reasonable amount of plays, but they gave up so many catches in front of them, essentially playing a ton of off coverage because they were single. They were singled up with no deep safety help, and they had to prioritize the deep pass. So Cooper and Lamb basically just ran a bunch of sort of 10-ish yard hitches and, you know, quick outs and stuff like that um, that were decent chunks that basically the, the whole point of the route was to chew up any cushion that uh, the alignment gives the cornerback and then break in out or Uh, you know, work back to the quarterback. And that's kind of all the offense did. And it led to a whole bunch of wide open timing routes. That's really easy for the quarterback. So what you ended up doing was kind of going into a situation where the the Vikings said, well, we're going to make Cooper Rush beat us. We're going to load the boxes. Ezekiel Elliott won't beat us. Cooper Rush is going to have to beat us. And that's all well and good. But they didn't make Cooper Rush beat you. They made Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb beat you. And those two guys are kind of capable of that especially when you don't even have your starting cornerback you they put a depth guy and a struggling starter up against maybe the two best players on the Cowboys offense I don't know Cowboys fans might yell at me on that Um, but I mean Cooper and and Lamb are fantastic players and our corners are not and that mismatch was exploited all day and it took him until about the midway point of the third quarter to actually Uh, Adjust to this. You know, Cooper Rush is not a great quarterback and he missed a lot of passes. He doesn't have the arm strength to zip things in. That's actually what led to the Xavier Woods interception. It was actually more Harrison Smith's play. Uh, It was, you know, there were two deep safeties in cover two. There was a post that was kind of trying to attack the space in between them. Both of them were like converging on the throwing lane and Cooper Rush tried to fit it in there. He couldn't get enough zip on it. Harrison Smith gets a hand on it. It tips up and Xavier Woods is there to clean it up. Interception, right? Um, And That was a great play that kind of showed that, hey, when you make Cooper Rush make difficult throws, good things can happen. But none of the throws were difficult for him. Everybody was wide open. It was all just run a 10-yard curl over and over and over again and get down the field. And the Cowboys moved the ball really, really well. Now they they, they got the interception. They turned one over uh, with the fumble. They had a a missed field goal. Um, But ultimately, they just moved the ball really well on the defense without a run game at all. So yeah, you stopped the run. But in doing so, you exposed the worst mismatch you had on that side of the ball and essentially allowed the Cowboys to, if they wanted to, leverage the entire game on that matchup. And yeah, the Cowboys wanted to, and they did, and they won the game on it. I I think this was a pretty pretty atrocious game plan. Like, I... I usually give a lot more benefit of the doubt to coaches, and maybe I'm just in the immediate wake of it, and so I'm upset, and I'll walk all this back tomorrow. And I reserve the right to do that, because game day, I mean, come on, it's instant reaction, right? Um, But it seems to me like I can understand what the Vikings tried to do and still call it unfathomably stupid. I think the coaches were unfathomably stupid in this game. I don't think they put their players in a position to win. I think they put their players in a position where the game was going to be decided on your weak spots and their strong spots. And I think they underestimated Cooper rush, which I know sounds kind of strange. Like he's just Cooper rush. Of course they didn't think much of him, but they didn't treat him like anything. They basically like the only way to lose to a backup quarterback is to give him easy throws. And the best way to give him easy throws is single coverage against an outmatched corner and Cameron Dansler against Amari Cooper all day. Yeah, Cooper's better than you, dude. So that that, that outmatched all day. Dude's wide open all day. And then it doesn't matter if it's Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott, what I was saying all day. You know, he's a backup. He's not a potato. He can still deliver the ball to an open receiver, make him make a difficult throw. And then him being a backup does that. So it seemed like the Vikings played instead of playing a more proactive game where they said Cooper Rush is going to have to be perfect to beat us. And you could have put that game plan together where Cooper Rush had to be perfect, but they made things too easy on him. And, and, and that was unbelievably disappointing for a staff that I think has done a good job of game planning defense. like I think Zimmer staff game planned great for the Panthers. I love their game plan for Cleveland, and for Seattle. Uh, this one was malpractice. And it brings us to kind of the central discussion, which is, was this fireable? Because it feels fireable, but let's talk about that in just a little bit. First, let me talk to you about cheat days. If you are trying to lose or maintain weight, maybe you're doing keto. Look, the temptation washes over all of us, and maybe you want to have a candy bar. But if you want to have something that tastes like a candy bar, but isn't a candy bar, and is you know high in protein, low like four grams of sugar, seven gr- grams of protein, low carb, high uh, fiber. Go for a Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, come in nine main series flavors like chocolate cherry, chocolate peanut butter, and more. You can get a sampler. That's two of each. See what you like, and it's not going to knock you off the wagon. So head on over to Built.com and enter promo code LOCK15. L L O C K E D15, and you can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all one word, at Built.com. I also want to talk to you about grambling i feel pretty good here's what i do for games like this where i feel like they could really be disappointing just put a unit on the other team's money line if you lose it you lose it think of it as paying for you know jinxing reverse jinxing yourself into a vikings win but hey If the Vikings kill you, at least you made a buck on it. (laughs) That's what I'm doing at BetOnline. You bet on whatever you want. You can use their prop builder, which is awesome. Their live betting, which is awesome. Pro college football. Bet on the World Series for as long as the World Series keeps going, Uh, as well as basketball, which is in full swing as well. So you can sign up for free at betonline.ag. And when you make your first deposit, enter promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means whatever you put in for your first deposit, BetOnline matches half of that and just plops it right into your account as free play money. So head on over to betonline.ag. Get a gramblin' BetOnline, where the game starts. When I first took over the Lockdown Vikings podcast uh, as the host, it was the middle of the 2018 season. I believe they had just lost to the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And there were a lot of, st- of the debate of the hour was whether or not the Vikings should fire John Filippo. And I, at the time, was a John Filippo defender. I didn't think the Vikings should fire him. Um, and I actually, my, my very first episode of this show was in defense of John Filippo. You can still go back and listen to it. The audio quality is terrible. I, I do not recommend it at all. The very day that I posted my like, hi, I have this show now. Thanks for everybody who listened to Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels who did it before. Uh, and, you know, here's my my thing. The day that went up, about two hours after it released, John Filippo was fired. <laughs> That was the start that I got off to on Locked On Vikings. I tell you this to illustrate that I'm pretty patient when it comes to coaches. I see coaching as a very long-term decision. If you're going to fire the coach, you're, you're tearing down the organization. You have to kind of determine this is irredeemable. There's nothing in it worth saving. Um, I'm definitely not a fan of fire the coach, but keep the like framework and bring in a new coach, and that guy's going to have his own ideas and... Uh, He's either going to have to, you know, run something he's not familiar with or run something the players aren't comfortable with. Either way, it seems like, you know, either tear it down or don't. Right. I'm a I'm a no half measures kind of guy. And if we want to talk about the rebuild and we might in two weeks, I don't know, uh, then we'll 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 do that. But we will do it, you know. Full head on. We're not gonna just, you know, only take away some pieces and stuff. No, we're gonna kind of say, all right, we're not gonna be competitive till 2023. We're gonna get rid of the coach, the GM. We're gonna get a couple draft classes in here, get people to, you know, bring in their own guys, so to speak. Uh, and, and you know, we'll we'll start to build something. But if you're gonna build something, build it with a purpose. You know, don't just tank to acquire assets that could be anything. Build with purpose. You need, you know, you want to run this scheme, get the players for it. You want to run uh, this kind of offense that needs a lot of speed, then get speedy receivers, etc. But that's all way ahead of our, that's all me getting way ahead of myself. Really, we have to make the decision, do we want to fire Mike Zimmer right now? And I think this was a fireable game, as I mentioned throughout the rest of the show. They lost this game before it started because they allowed Cooper rushed to throw against single man coverage where we did not have the better player. Anyone can do that. Christian Ponder could have won this game. That is a gigantic error on Mike Zimmer's coaching staff. And this reads differently. You know, a lot of the other losses have been, well, you know, there's this clock management thing. He shouldn't have taken this time out or whatever. And those are all great critiques, but they aren't as high level. This was you entered the game with an overall plan to be afraid of Ezekiel Elliott and to be afraid of Randy Gregory. And basically everything is stop those two guys and everything else on the Cowboys doesn't matter. And they essentially opted to ignore Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson. And I can't remember if Michael Gallup played or not. Uh, It it was, uh, that is unfathomably stupid to me. That is an overthought plan that's coaching scared, and I think once you're coaching scared, you're you're done. There's no putting toothpaste back in that tube. I think you lost your confidence, and, and I think it's time for everybody to get a fresh start, so that's it, and I reserve the right to to co- go back on all this stuff. Maybe I will. I'll, I'll look at everything, You know, investigate, see if what I think happened is actually what happened. Um, it's always the process, and I'm going to do it right here in front of you as, as you look, guys all I'll listen throughout the week, but This is me jumping off the defending Zimmer train. I am ready for a new beginning. But if we are going to talk about firing Mike Zimmer, that is inextricably linked to we are blowing up the team. And if we're blowing up, if we're firing Zimmer, we're not just getting rid of you. We're not removing one little cancer and everything will magically be better. No, this is blowing it up. This is resolving to not worry, to not be competitive for a while now. And you're, you know, forget playoff implications. Forget, you know, feeling like you can be a contender. Forget having any confidence at all. Your over-under is going to be six wins for a while. That's just going to be the way it is if you fire Zimmer and you blow things up. That's the way it has to be. If you want to go with more of a half measure, that's how you turn into the Jets. And, and, you know, we'll we'll talk in way more detail about all that stuff. But if we make that decision, that is a ledge that we step off and we can't climb back up, up onto it. And maybe we want that. But we got to be sure. Right. So we'll talk about all of that stuff. I'm sh- again, I'm sure we'll get a whole bunch of questions tomorrow is the Twitter Tuesday mailbag. So hit me up on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked on Vikings. You can send an email to Locked on at gmail.com. You can uh, enter. There is a Google form, in the show notes. You can leave a comment on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube, do discord, whatever. Find Get your questions to me and I'll answer them. Um, thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day for your second listen, check out the Peacock Williamson podcast, listen to a national show, learn to enjoy football again. Cause football was pretty fun outside of this stupid game. Uh, the AFC is crazy. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. So I will see you all tomorrow for the Twitter Tuesday mailbag. And as always, always skull.